Thank you, Nikki. So as Michael introduced to us at the beginning, we're doing a short series on the generous life, and we're looking at different aspects of generosity that should uh, characterise Christians who were followers of Jesus. And Jesus talked a lot about this in the Gospel of Luke, so that's where our readings are coming from. And last week, Tim looked at the uh, aspect of generous service. Um, Jesus is calling us to follow him wholeheartedly, to serve God and the world uh, out of the generosity in the way that God has served us. And so Christians are called to be people who are generous in the way we serve. Today the topic is generous hospitality. And so it's worth by starting to work towards, well, what do we mean when we say hospitality? So when we start to get into this topic, there's a sort of obvious meaning on the surface of our minds. I think when we think about the hospitality industry, which is such a big part of our society today. So, uh, thank you, Katie. Apparently, we are um, residents of the most livable city in the world at the moment. Uh, and one of the things that people love about Melbourne is our hospitality industry. It's very visible to us. Think about all the cafes and the restaurants, the variety and quality of food that you can find here. And we seem to be able to produce an endless supply of contestants for MasterChef people who are absolutely passionate about food. I do not know where all these people come from. Um, <laughs> there's so many of them. Uh, thinking about hospitality, uh, you might know that Diamond Creek turned up in the, uh, the age on the weekend as one of the places you want to visit in uh, Melbourne. And three of the top six things you should do here are apparently some of our local cafes and restaurants. So um, it's a big deal. Uh, so when we think about what hospitality is, when we start to think about the topic, it's probably at the top of our mind. Um, entertaining guests, preparing food for people, inviting people into our homes, that sort of meal um, preparation and that sort of thing. Uh, if that's the case, then I think if you wanted to pick someone to, to give a sermon on it who really embodies that, you probably pick the wrong person by inviting me to give this sermon. Uh, not really a great preparer of meals and hospitality. Um, there was an ad on TV a few years ago uh, there was a woman who invited her boyfriend's parents over for dinner and uh, she served them canned soup and pretended that it was real. It was uh, stuff she pretended uh, prepared herself. And you know, I never really saw the problem with doing that. Um, and I still don't. I mean, look, it was good, it saved time, fantastic. So I'm not, you know, I'm not your go-to person for hospitality in that sense. Um, but fortunately for me, hospitality is, in the Bible, a bigger idea than just serving food to people, though it includes that. In the passage today, Jesus gives us a real powerful insight into what the heart of hospitality is for Christians and how it relates to our understanding of God. And what he shows us is that hospitality is fundamentally about our openness. It's our openness to other people our openness to God, our ability to include other people in our lives so that they can experience the love of God through us. Here at St John's we have three core values which we use to um, inform everything that we do and one of those is we, believe, we say we value the full experience of God in Christian community. Uh, and so, as a church, that's how we might be uh, defining hospitality, that people can experience God through being welcomed into the life of our church. We're open. Um, we're going to come back to that idea a bit in a, a little while, but first of all, I just want to see what Jesus says in this story. So, 
Uh, he takes advantage, he's invited to a party. Uh, just uh, have our next slide, thanks. Just um, the house of a prominent Pharisee. It's a special party, it's on the Sabbath. And Jesus uses this opportunity to invite people to examine their own attitude to hospitality and what it shows about their relationship with God. So if you think about the second half of the passage first, in verses 7 to 14, this is important because Jesus here exposes for us and for his guests, some uh, the other guests, some of the common motivations that they had and we have around the practice of hospitality. And so he comments on two things. Uh, firstly, the habit that we have of seeking honour and prestige through hospitality, through how people see us. And secondly, the tendency to treat hospitality as a way of uh, gaining social advantage with people who can pay us back. And he's saying both of these things are actually a sign that we're not hospitable or that we're actually focused on ourselves rather than others and, um, and God in the way we do these things. So the first thing he talks about to the, to the other people there is about how our hospitality is often wrapped up in our obsession with uh, self-image and social status. So in verse 7, he looks around and he notices uh, how people at the party he was at were trying uh, to sit at the best spots at the table, uh, as Tim mentioned. They were looking for a spot that was theirs, that, that, that showed um, honour for them. So at a dinner party like this, in Jesus' time, the, the, the table would have been probably in a U, sort of a U-shape. The host is in the middle and uh, others are sitting around the, around the side. And the space right close to the host, right next to him, would have been the space of highest honour. And so the closer you sat to the host, the more you were perceived to be of a higher status. And to this point, to this point that if, a, if an important guest happened to come late, people would have to shuffle down so that they could come up and sit nearer to the host. And so this is how they were doing things. And that's not how, maybe how we do things at our parties. I think we would find it odd if we were at a dinner party and someone asked us to shuffle down because a more important person had come. But we do the same thing. We do use, I think, social occasions as a way of focusing on our own social status. How do we fit with regards to other people around us and how we're perceived? Um, for instance, when you get invited to a wedding, there's always that moment when you get to the reception and you have a look at that big seating plan or the card where they tell you where you're going to be seated. It's an interesting moment uh, because you figure out how important you are. Have you been asked to be sit nice and close to where the bride and groom are? Are you in that sort of inner circle of tables? Or have you been put right out the edge with weird Uncle Bob and all the other people that they don't know where to put? I'm sorry, there's no Uncle Bobs here, I think. I tried to pick... Um, you know, you'll... Oh, look, we have to put them somewhere. They can go right out next to the toilets or something on the table out there. Um, you can tell how important you are. Uh, and it's really interesting, isn't it, when you know. Um, and we do this sort of thing all the time, even if you go to a group of, uh, with a group of people to a restaurant or a cafe. And where do you sit? Uh, who do you sit next to? Who, who, where, how, how are things going on? Are you, the, are you the person that everyone wants to sit next to? Isn't that a good feeling? Or are you, are you the one that somehow the last empty seat is always next to me? That's not a good feeling, is it? We, how, how, is our, how is our social status? Um, with where, we are, where we're at at these social occasions. And, you know, some people build a lot of their lives around honour and getting attention and parties and being seen. Um, for me, I find the most baffling pages in the newspaper are those, you know, those society pages that they put in. You know, photographers go around and take photos at, at important parties of sort of good-looking people and it's there. I thought, why? But, you know, some people think it's really important. They really want to be seen. They want to be out. Um, it's a really big deal. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, look, we all have a tendency to do this. We, we are concerned a lot with our own status 
our own image. And so when it comes to hospitality, it becomes about figuring out where we, where we, where we sit. How are we positioned to, feel, to receive the most honour, to feel good about ourselves? And that's not, he's saying that's not hospitality. This is something altogether. So this is the first thing he says, this is what you're doing at your parties. And the second thing he then comments on is, how do you decide whom to show hospitality to? This is the big question, the, the invitation. So if you look at the dictionary, it tells you that hospitality is about the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors or strangers, which sounds really nice. That's a very noble idea, but in actual, in actual life, in reality, hospitality is often a lot more calculating than that. Um, it, the, the invitations that go out to our events, they're about, often about maintaining a kind of network of social obligations that we have, building up sort of social credit with people who might pay us back, either socially or financially, or uh, in, enhance our lives. Um, and Jesus says, <coughs> these are the people that get invitations. He looks around the party he was at, he says, when you have a party, you invite your friends, your family, and he says, and your rich neighbours, people to, who you want to have a meal with you, who can do things for you. These are the people that he saw around him. Uh, and a lot, if you think about the hospitality that we do, a lot of it is about these kind of relationships, isn't it? People who can do things for us, or people who have done things for us, and we're trying to pay them back. Uh, again, think about weddings. Uh, most of us who've sat down to prepare our guest list for a wedding, realise there are a lot of people who just have to be there. Um, not necessarily that you would choose <laughs> if you had your choice, but they have to be there. There's an obligation. You're paying them back, they're your family. Um, you owe them something. And this is the case with so much, a lot of our hospitality and our, our other socialising. I've got a bit of a running account in my head. Those people invited us over for dinner, so you know, we must have them over for dinner at some point. We've got to pay them back. And Jesus says, this is what goes on with how we think about in hospitality. We're thinking about the benefit we receive uh, or the need that we have uh, to pay people back. We show hospitality to people either because we owe them something or we want them to owe us something or because they're the kind of people that we, that are, that we want to be in a relationship with. Uh, obviously, of course, it's not wrong to enjoy the company of people that we like. That's not what he's saying. But that's not the same thing as true, as generous hospitality any more than lending money to people who are our friends and who can pay us back is true financial generosity. Uh, and so the reason that Jesus points these things out to the Pharisees and to us is that he thinks we need to unmask for ourselves what we're doing in hospitality, how self-centred it can be, and to show us, to start to show us a different way, uh, true generosity and freedom in the way that we uh, show hospitality to others, and one that comes from our relationship with God. Pardon me. <coughs> and I think that's why, if we go back then, the verses 1 to 6 are in this chapter and the story that it begins with. Because we read here that Jesus was actually invited to the party by the Pharisees because they wanted to trap him into making a controversial statement or action about the Sabbath. So he's talking about the Sabbath. So in verse 1, he says they're, they're carefully watching what he was going to do. And some commentators suggest that they also invited the man with an abnormal swelling in his body specifically to see how Jesus would respond to him. So that poor guy got invited as a prop, <laughs> not because he was a, a favoured guest. Um, what they wanted Jesus to do was to break the Sabbath by doing some work and, to see what, and, and for other people then to discredit him as a teacher. 
Jesus then takes this as opportunity to turn around to the Pharisees and say, and to remind them what the Sabbath is actually about. And so he heals the man and he, he asks them, if one of you has a child or an ox who falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? So he's asking them to think again, what is the Sabbath for? So we've been thinking a bit about the Sabbath this year as a church. And back in May we had a day, we called Six to Six, when we tried it out together. But if you don't know about what the Sabbath is, it's based on the fourth of the Ten Commandments. And in that, in that commandment, God told his people that one day a week they should stop their work and spend time with him, worshipping him, uh, spending time with others, encouraging each other in their faith, enjoying the good gifts that God's given. So Sabbath then, this commandment, is actually about a day of spending time when God shows hospitality to his people. So God has actually said, I am inviting you every week to come to, and spend time with me. And so the purpose of that is that then your life will be centred around God, free from slavery to other things and um, from deriving our identity from other things than God. The Sabbath is a hospitality that God shows every week. And so Jesus says, isn't it right on the Sabbath day that you would heal someone, that you would save someone? Because the Pharisees thought, oh, well, the point, is, the point of the Sabbath day is the not working bit. So we're going we're to catch you doing something that is work. But Jesus says, no, the point of the Sabbath is that people would experience God's presence in their lives. He's inviting them in. So it's natural then to help them, to pull them out of a well, to heal them, because then this, this man can experience God's love and presence on the Sabbath. What a better way there is to spend that day. And what Jesus has done then for these Pharisees is changed their idea completely about the Sabbath and about hospitality. He's saying hospitality, the way that you're doing it is wrong. It shouldn't be about managing social relationships to your own benefit but about how we experience the love of God and how we show it to others. And so for him, the practice of keeping the Sabbath and keeping it in the spirit it's supposed to be kept is, about, is at the heart of hospitality for God's people. Because on that day, God is opening up his life to us, his time. He's inviting us in freely. God isn't too busy for us. He has a great table prepared. There's always, good, um, always a good meal. Jesus, um, God makes a time and a place for us to be with him and for us to be with others at the same time and to share the goodness of God together. That's what the Sabbath is about. And so for Jesus then, hospitality is not about social status. It's not about benefit that we receive from others. It's about this time with God from which we receive what we really need, God's love in our lives. And out of that comes the generous hospitality to others, the heart that can share uh, because we become like God by spending time with him. Um, I think then, if we're thinking about hospitality in our own lives, in our own practice of it, I think we can see how near or far we are from generosity in this. If we think about how open are we, how available are we with our time for others, uh, because that's, the, as Jesus says, that's the heart of what the Sabbath and the hospitality is about. And different cultures struggle with this in different ways. Um, I think in Jesus' day it was different to the struggles that we had. Um, the people he's talking to, the Pharisees and others, um, it was in a culture where hospitality was probably a more strict obligation than it is for us. Um, you had to be open to other people, you had to let them into your house at certain times or you'd probably be shamed by the community. 
Um, but the problem, said, the problem is, uh, as Jesus said to them, is their homes were certainly open. They were showing lots of hospitality. But their hearts weren't open. So the home was open, but the people that were let in were not the people that God might want them to invite. There was no room for people of low social status. They were too concerned with honour and um, how they were perceived. So they were keeping the Sabbath, definitely, keeping it very strictly and being hospitable. Uh, but because they made it about their own status and their own self-image, uh, they, they weren't actually being generous. They weren't really keeping it. And so what, what he needed to show them, and he did through healing this man, was that actually what God is asking is you to be open in your hearts to those who need to know him. That's what the Sabbath is about. And that's why Jesus says, stop worrying so much about taking the highest place at the table. Take the lowest one. Because if you have experienced the, this free relationship with God on the Sabbath, if he's invited you in, it doesn't matter where you are sitting. You've already been invited to the greatest meal ever by the Lord of the universe. You don't need to worry about what other people think about you. So that was their problem. They were worried too much. Their hearts were closed to others. They were showing hospitality, but it wasn't open. I think if we look at our own context, our, our problem with practicing generous hospitality is probably a bit different to that. Um, our problem, I think, is time. Um, the ability to be open. Uh, the time to make. Um, because I think most people that I know um, around have so little time and so little space in our lives that to be actually open, even if you want it to be, to be open to others and to God, to show hospitality in a true sense, actually seems almost impossible. Um, I think if, if I found if you ask anyone over the age of about 12 um, how they're going, how's life, what's the answer going to be? Busy, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's standard. Um, we do feel, I think most people, that we don't have enough time and energy to or even live our own lives, let alone make time for others. Um, you know, and that's a trend in our society. We are less hospitable, less open um, as time goes on. Most of us, many of us don't even know the people who live next door. Um, I think studies show that less than half of us even know the names of our neighbours um, anymore. Um, you know, you t and because we're working, we have to work so hard, we treat our house like a dormitory. You sleep there, but you don't necessarily live there. Um, and so to think about hospitality on top of all of that, to actually be open with your time, uh, to let people in, it just seems too hard. And I think that's why when we do do hospitality, often it is of the kind of, well, I have to do it, my obligation, or it's people that I really like because it, you know, this is I really feel that I need um, those things. And rather than being open to the difficult hospitality that Jesus is calling Christians to take part in. So in verse 13, he says, When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Do you have time for that? Um, he's saying these people are on the outside of society. They don't get invited to things. They're, no one's obliged to invite them, almost never. And people don't want to because there's no benefit. Um, you know, so any reward that you get from that kind of hospitality is going to come from God, uh, and you have to value that. Uh, so, I mean, it's very easy to think about the kinds of people in our own context who would um, find it difficult to find hospitality. There are many lonely people and isolated people in our community that no one knows that they're even there, and they never get invited to things. And uh, there are lots of people who come to our country seeking hospitality. We call them asylum seekers. And they often find it very hard to find hospitality because we're closed. 
We're not ready. We don't feel we have space and time for them. But Jesus is saying these are the kinds of people that you should be able uh, to show hospitality to. So to do that though, do we have the time? Do we have the resources within ourselves so so that people can experience the love of God within us uh, and through us? And I think this is where Jesus is challenging us. Not that we need to just, okay, grit your teeth, be nice, let people into the cracks in our lives where we do have a bit of time. But actually to think again about the kind of life that we're living where we cultivate um, a heart where hospitality is actually possible and natural. And so I think we first, if we want to get hospitality right, we first need to go back to the heart of hospitality, which is our time for God to experience the hospitality of God so that we can be more generous and it can flow out of us in a natural way. Um, Our problem, I said, is different to the problem that the Pharisees had in Jesus' time. They kept the Sabbath as strictly as they possibly could and they let nothing in. Their problem was that they had no heart in the way that they did it. Our problem is different. Uh, I think, basically, that we have virtually no time at all for God in our lives. I think, I don't know anyone who keeps the Sabbath, and myself included. Um, And so for us, actually, how do we have space for the heart of God to be made within us, to learn to be more generous with us? And it might actually start for us by learning to be more hospitable to God, even in small ways. Um, Often we can't keep the Sabbath, I know, because we don't have a choice. Economic necessity means that we must work. But it needs to start somewhere small, I think, keeping the Sabbath as we can. Um, and finding the time even in some, even a small way for God to be a meaningful part of our lives. And to remember that the Sabbath is not a, a, what the Pharisees made. It's not a rule. It's a party that God is inviting us to. God is actually saying, I have time for you always. I'm inviting you to spend time with me and to learn what I'm like. It's an invitation to accept. It's a standing invitation from God. And so the challenge for us is to make time for God in our lives in a way that's meaningful. Uh, may, you know, not necessarily, it may not be a whole day a week or whatever, but it needs to be a significant time so that we can remember where the heart of our life is if we're going to follow Jesus and to be hospitable in the way that he was. Um, to remember that God is actually generous with us and he wants us to have what we need if we'll let him in. Um, and we know that God wants us to know him and that he is ready to come in. God is always willing to say yes to an invitation in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, um, Jesus says to the church, he says, Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So what he's, Jesus is telling us is that generous hospitality as part of the generous life is when we are, have an open heart to people who need to experience the love of God because we have experienced it ourselves. So we need first to invite God into our lives, to give him our time and our space and everything else flows out from there. And Jesus is inviting us to do that today. So I'd like to pray as we consider that in our own lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are inviting us into your life and that you are standing at our door waiting to come in when you are invited. We thank you for your generosity to us. We pray that we would open our hearts to you that you would fill us with your love so that we have time and openness to others. Please make us an hospitable community here at St John's that is able to welcome in those who need to know your love. 
And uh, please change our hearts so that we see those who need and we are open uh, to inviting them. And we pray all this in your name. Amen.